Abandon all prejudices, all ye who enter here. Park your paradigms, perk up your ears, and open your mind, as we now shine the laser light of reason on the topic of on the impossibility of having a totally clear mind. Hello, I'm David Bolton, and welcome to my podcast channel, dedicated to helping people think more clearly, make sounder judgments, avoid superficiality, and above all, to unceasingly question instead of naively accepting what others want us to believe, for this is the path of Socrates. My friends, what does it mean to have a clear mind? How would you understand that? Well, one could say it's a mind that's not limited or fettered by cloudiness. <laughs> that is, for example, by emotions. You know how emotions can mess up your clear thinking. You all have examples of that in your life. You remember like when you were maybe in high school or college, you fell madly in love with some girl and she was really no good for you. Your friend said, look, man, you're not going to be happy with her. And, oh, no, she's the most wonderful princess in the universe. Well, that's certainly not very clear-minded, is it? Uh, do you remember relationships like that you had? Do you remember their names? You probably don't remember some of the people's names, but at that time, they were more important than anything. That's just an example of an emotion that can mess up your clear thinking. Now, I must say, let me, okay, let me make a confession here. I think my mind is pretty clear compared to the minds of the great majority of people. As a matter of fact, I know it is. No brag, just fact. However, I'm very well aware that having a totally clear mind is something I've never had, probably not even for an instant. And in this little talk, I'd like to show you why it's practically impossible to have a totally clear mind. We're going to approach, approach this subject by seeing two different kinds of people. Here you go. Here are some names you might recognize. I'm sure everybody listening will recognize the first name, Sherlock Holmes. Okay, he didn't really exist, but let's imagine he did. Now this was, as far as detective work was concerned, as clear a mind as could be. He would look at the evidence, every little piece of evidence, even things that didn't seem too probable that they could be evidence, but he'd remember everything. He'd put them together, have this puzzle in his mind, he'd be putting the piece together, and he'd come up with amazing conclusions. As far as detective work was concerned, totally clear mind. Now, of course, I think he was also an opium addict or something, so his mind wasn't always clear. <laughs> he would go to opium dens, stuff like that. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, as far as detective work was concerned, when he wasn't high, his mind was as clear as clear could be, I suppose you could say. But even such a fictional character in his best moments, when you could say Sherlock Holmes had a totally clear mind, I'm going to contend even then it wasn't totally clear. Why? Well, now we take the second person, the second example, Edgar Cayce. You know who he is. My brother Steve's listening. I know he knows who Edgar Cayce is. He's been to Virginia Beach a few times and everything. Edgar Cayce was one of the greatest psychics of the 20th century, died in the mid-40s, I think about 1945, did thousands of readings, just totally amazing. But he would put himself into a trance before he could get this psychic information. So in a sense, his mind wasn't clear at all. His rational mind was turned off. 
And yet in this deep trance, he could say totally amazing things. There were cases there and it's all documented. One of the most remarkable cases I remember having to do with uh, medical advice. He wasn't a doctor. Uh, he was a photographer, I think, originally. And he knew a lot about the Bible. He's very fundamentalist, religious, until he started having uh, psychic information about reincarnation. And that was a problem for him because if you're a fundamentalist Christian, you don't believe reincarnation. But he soon came to accept it because he had so much evidence based on his psychic uh, reading. So people would write down because he was in a total trance. He wouldn't remember just what he said. But one case was interesting. Uh, some child was extremely sick and he was dying and the doctors couldn't find anything. They didn't know why it was. They knew the kid was getting weaker and weaker and dying. But Edgar Casey said, uh, said they should, well, the father didn't want to take him to Edgar Casey. He didn't want to listen to his advice because Edgar Casey in his trance said, give the kid arsenic. That's a poison in a certain dosage mixed with something else, I think. And the father said, we're not going to do that. Might kill him right away. And the mother said, well, look, we've tried everything else. He is dying. They tried it and the kid got totally better. He was totally healed. Now, was Edgar Casey able to do that because a totally clear mind? In one sense, yes. But it's the opposite sense from that of Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes' totally clear mind was putting the pieces together, making observations and logically putting pieces together. Uh, this is what I excel in. No, I'm no Sherlock Holmes. I don't want to give myself that kind of credit. But I can do this pretty damned well. But what Edgar Casey was doing was something that Sherlock Holmes never would have been able to do. Sherlock Holmes would not have been able to have the evidence because, well, it's like Paracelsus, the great doctor of the 16th century, said. He said, frankly, anything could be a poison, but many of those things could also be a medicine. It depends on the dosage, what the dose is, right? How much you give. Like when Trump said, uh, well, there might be something in bleach that could help COVID. And the left said, he tells people to drink bleach. That's a total lie. He didn't tell people to drink bleach. He said there might be something in bleach. He had heard something. And yes, there is. It's called chlorine dioxide. And the doctors have fantastic results, even treating COVID with chlorine dioxide. The thing is, though, in bleach, I think might be, I don't know, several, maybe 5% chlorine dioxide, but used medicinally, it's a very small percentage of that, right? Sherlock Holmes never could have seen that that child needed a certain amount of arsenic. He wouldn't have known that. There's no way any doctor could have known that either. But Edgar Casey, being a psychic, had access to information from his oversoul, whatever you want to call it, his higher self from the spiritual realm, one could put it that way too, and at that level, you have information that you just can't find here on Earth any way easily. And this is one example. He, Edgar Casey did some amazing things. Read up on him if you don't know about him. I know some people say, oh, that's impossible. That, he was a charlatan. No, he wasn't a charlatan. Every, everything's been documented. And uh, he wasn't right all the time, although he didn't kill anybody with <laughs> telling him to take the wrong medicine. There are no cases of that. But sometimes he predicted that things would happen in the future. And uh, the time he predicted didn't happen. But other things, for example, he said, uh, back in the era of Stalinist communism, I think he said this back in, the, well, he died in about 45, he might have said this like in 20s or 30s, when Russia was the Soviet Union, total dictatorship, totally terrible. He said, Russia one day will be the salvation of the world in the sense of Christianity. Imagine this. 
a time when they were suppressing Christianity, getting rid of Christianity, total atheistic materialistic society was the Soviet Union. But he said, no, it's going to change. It's going to become a Christian country, and then they will save the world. Well, look what's happening now. I know some of you don't see this. Maybe you don't realize that Putin is an Orthodox Christian, that he once declared Russia is a Christian country, uh, that he's battling the deep state, evil people. You won't see this in mainstream media. You'll see that he's the bad guy. Well, he's. it, it, it looks to me like if there's any hope in defeating what some call the Illuminati, the worldwide deep state, it can only come from the good people in America, in Europe, and with the support of Russia. So it could well be that in the end we see, that, my God, Edgar Cayce was right there. Now, we see two approaches then to coming to conclusions or obtaining knowledge. One of them, we'll call it the Sherlock Holmes method. Everybody has that to a certain degree. You put the pieces together, right? If you see, say, if you're a woman and you see your husband comes home a few times this month and he has lipstick on his collar and strange phone calls come into the house and whenever you go to the phone, the person hangs up. When your husband goes to the phone, oh, yes, uh, Mr. Smith, uh, well, I'll call you back from my office tomorrow. And you think that's kind of funny. <laughs> All these little things to point your husband having an affair. Well, you know what it's like. By putting these pieces together and coming to the conclusion my husband's having an affair, you're playing Sherlock Holmes also in a sense, although on a very simple level, right? With Sherlock Holmes, it was much more complex, and he noticed things that the average mortal would never notice. But he was using his logical mind, his reasoning abilities, making sound judgments. He was thinking more clearly, constantly questioning his own results to see, well, I don't have the, the conclusion yet, so maybe if I put the pieces together differently, uh, he was kind of on the path of Socrates in that sense, wasn't he now? But the Edgar Cayce approach was totally different. Theoretically, in Edgar Cayce, if the police had asked, yeah, who did commit this murder? He could have gone into trance and said, it was John Doe who committed the murder, and he lives at this address. I don't think he worked for the police uh, in, in that sense, doing such cases. But with his abilities, theoretically, a great psyche could do something like that. He wouldn't have to look at evidence, put pieces together. Of course, the police then to make their case would have to find the evidence because you can't tell the jury, well, the psychic said that John Doe's guilty, so you better convict him. You can't do that, of course. But it would put them on the right track. These are two totally different approaches. Now, some people use more than one approach, even if they're not Edgar Cayce. I mean, who is? They might have some sorts of intuitions. They might have an idea of, of how to act based on some sort of maybe a little psychic ability. The others try to do, try to make the same decisions, same sorts of decisions, but based on logical thinking. What would be best if I take this into account, this into account? That's the path of really looking a lot of details and putting the pieces together. The other is the path of listening to your inner instincts. Of course, those inner instincts can be wrong. They can be clouded by... Uh, what you wish for. You have to make a life decision. And I don't know, maybe it involves, should I change my job and go accept this job in another city? And, and you think, well, yes, it does look good, but I'm not sure. But hey, it looks all the better because uh, I just met a girl there and I'm in love with her. So yes, I want to do that. Well, 
maybe you're in love with her now, but you might not be in six months, and maybe the job isn't better, but you think it is because she lives there, and you're convincing yourself the job is better for that reason. See what I mean? Your thinking is somewhat clouded by your emotions and by what you're wishing for. Theoretically, for example, in this day and age of, of, of COVID, of these bioweapons that are masquerading as vaccines, etc., etc., election fraud, etc., people should be just looking at the evidence and using sound reasoning, but they're not. The left is saying, oh, that Trump, he's lying. So there was no election fraud because that's what they want to believe. If it were the opposite, I mean, think of this. Suppose, suppose that were a Democrat that had the election stolen through massive election fraud. You think he'd be saying, oh, there's no evidence of election fraud. They'd be saying, there's election fraud. Let's kill the Republicans because they they'd be saying that. In other words, they're just creatures of emotion. And you can't trust anything they say for that reason because they're not clear thinkers. Uh, there are people, for example, if it were the opposite, if the election had been stolen from Obama, from somebody, for example, and I saw evidence of election fraud, okay, I don't like Obama, but I say, hey, wait a minute, he was cheated. I would say that. But then I think very clearly in that sense, and I have high ethical standards, and <laughs> you know what I mean? And just because a conclusion of mine leads to something I don't like, for example, maybe, if, I don't know, a Hillary Clinton presidency, assuming that they did election fraud to steal it from her, which no, they didn't do. But they say, they say that they did, right? Where's all the massive evidence? I don't see it. But I just look for the facts, whether the conclusions that I arrive at, whether I like them or not, plays no role whatsoever. I mean, maybe somebody could, I don't know, a, a doctor gives me solid evidence that I have some kind of terrible disease and I'm going to be dead in a month. Will I like to hear that? No, of course I won't. But if I look at the evidence and say, hey, my God, he's right. I study on the internet. Oh, my God, he's right. I'm going to accept it because that's the way it is. I'm not going to say, oh, no, he must be wrong. That can't be right. There are some people like that, but these are people who don't think so clearly. See what I mean? On the other hand, with the psychic route, if somebody has that ability, uh, there are weaknesses there because you might pick up, even if you're a psychic, you have psychic information, but it's not showing you the whole picture. Generally, the people who are psychic aren't the Sherlock Holmes types. They rely more on their gut instincts or on their psychic ability, but they can go astray with that as well. In other words, no matter what approach you take, whether it's more the psychic intuitive approach or the logical reasoning approach, it's still impossible to have a totally clear mind. Now, the Sherlock Holmes path might seem more clear, might seem more logical, reasonable, more, might seem to have a sounder foundation. However, keep in mind that even a Sherlock Holmes could be wrong. No matter how much evidence there is, it points to this person. Maybe that person is innocent. If Sherlock Holmes could have a moment being an Edgar Cayce, he'd say, oh my God, I'm totally wrong. It's highly improbable that guy's innocent, but he really is. But he doesn't have access to the psychic information. Do you see what I mean? No matter how logically we think, no matter how much evidence we see, we can never be 100% sure. A psychic, in some cases, I think probably feel, yes, I'm 100% sure of this, because they're getting their information from other realms. But psychics can also make mistakes, so in that sense, they also can't be 100% sure. Maybe in some thing they are. 
but in other things they aren't. And just the th feeling, I'm 100% sure, you can't have that unless it's mathematics. 2 plus 2 is 4, you can be 100% sure, and you can prove it in many different ways. But as long as you can't prove it definitively, you can't be 100% sure. Therefore, whether your thinking is more logical, reason-based, as is mine, or whether it's almost totally, say, psychic-based, you can't be sure. Your mind can't be totally clear. Ideally, you would have the best of both worlds. Combine Sherlock Holmes with Edgar Cayce, and you have a really powerful mind, let me tell you. But I've never even heard of somebody like that. If you have one ability so strongly, if you have the reasoning, thinking ability, the other, even if you have that in potential, it's going to be blocked. A really good psychic told me this 30 years ago. Obviously, I'm more of the, the rational thinker, putting pieces together, coming to conclusions, leaving my emotions out of it as much as I possibly can, and I think I can do it pretty well, and coming, for that reason, usually to sound conclusions. But somebody told me that I have psychic ability, and I've seen evidence of this in my life, but she said, you can hardly ever use it because as soon as you get some kind of psychic intuition, your logical mind says, oh, well, but there's no reason to think that, and you push it aside. And I think she's right there. Now, should I do exercise, become more psychic? No, I'm not going to do that because I feel that my path is more the path of reason, the path of Socrates. That's what I really excel at. There aren't many people who have my mind for that sort of thing, especially since for me, it's not just reasoning ability, logic, and such things, but it's also knowing human nature and certain other techniques that I have. Uh, as a matter of fact, I wasn't even aware of these things totally until the other day. Had to take a job, an acting job, had to travel three hours by train. That can get pretty boring. So I thought, I'm going to analyze the way I think and come to conclusions. And it was interesting because it was like reverse engineering in a sense. It was deconstructing. And I came up with these techniques that I use to see things more clearly that very few people use. It's not just the logic and the reason. The people, they're very good at that, even better than I am, but they don't combine these other things with them. However, none of those things was any kind of psychic ability. I do have that. I've seen that in my life, but I, I can't use that at will. And therefore, I, I, I leave it, I, I kind of push it aside because I think it might lead me astray. And me, it probably would lead astray. If I have a psychic impression and it comes through, I think, wow, there's another case of something psychic. Usually they're not big things, but they're things that couldn't be ascribed simply to chance. And other people I know have much more psychic ability. Their reasoning ability might not be as great, but their psychic ability can tell them amazing things. But my point here is that to have both of those abilities in a really strong sense, uh, I don't know anybody like that. And I think it, it points to simply people are different, and some of us are more concentrated on the logical, the rational, uh, and reasoning ability, achieving your conclusions through reasoning, putting pieces together of a puzzle. I'll put it that way, simply. And other people are more in the intuitive psychic level. And sometimes one type will be right and sometimes the other type will be right. But for this reason, to have a totally clear mind, the totally clear mind would be the ideal union of the two. You'd be the Sherlock Holmes and also the Edgar Cayce. A person like that, the things they come up with, we can't even imagine. 
maybe some some aliens out there that have that. I don't mean those coming across the border from Mexico. <laughs> I don't mean those. I don't mean those illegal aliens. I mean the other illegals. Because, hey, you ever think about that? You know, the aliens and the UFOs are coming. Basically, they're illegal aliens. They're flying over our territory illegally. I don't think they contact air traffic control and ask for permission to fly over military bases. I don't think they do that, do they now? So they're also illegal aliens. So we're being attacked by illegal aliens, not only from across the border in the south, but even from the air and UFOs. <laughs> and with that, I've just given myself another topic to talk about humorously at some time in the future. But once again, back to our subject, on the impossibility of having a totally clear mind. To me, it seems, I won't say it's impossible because maybe it is one person in the world or two or three that have this ability to the nth degree. That is, the Sherlock Holmes combined with an Edgar Cayce. Maybe there are a few people like that in the world. I'd sure love to meet them, let me tell you. I really would. I would humbly ask them a whole bunch of questions, <laughs> things that I've never been able to figure out. That would be so interesting. Have you ever met somebody like that? I really haven't. Of course, there's some psychics that are very good thinkers, logically. And there's some logically thinking people have something of the psychic. But, some, but a person who combines an extreme degree of Sherlock Holmesness with an extreme degree of Edgar Casey-ness, uh, wow, that would be a bombshell, wouldn't it? And I don't know of any, I've never heard anybody like that which is kind of interesting, but to me it just points to what is probably the fact that people are different. And some of us are more left brain oriented. You know, if you're right-handed, the left brain is responsible for logical thinking, conscious mind, and the right brain for the subconscious. If you're left-handed, it's the opposite as far as the hemispheres are concerned, or so say the scientists. And uh, some people are more right brain dominated, so they receive these psychic impressions, and others more left brain. I'm definitely more left brain, but I have something of the right brain influence as well, of course. We all do, to a certain extent, right? So some people think, oh, I have a totally clear mind. Anybody that says that has to be a fool, <laughs> let's face it. <laughs> relatively, you can have a very clear mind, and you'd be a very clear thinker. I know relatively I am, compared to the great majority of people. But a totally clear mind, my God, that remains so elusive. That's so far away. I, I, I wish I could have it. Uh, maybe in some higher level of development after we die, in a spiritual realm, we're going to get that. Mm, probably so. Uh, I would like to hope, but that's wishful thinking here. I don't know if it's going to be or not. I would imagine it will be from what I've heard about the other higher realms. And it sure is a nice, nice idea. But be aware, and this is also humbling for me, for everybody. And I'm saying this to those people who fancy themselves scientific thinkers. Oh, I've had so many run-ins with these people that think, well, I'm a scientific thinker. And so astrology is nonsense. And so psyche, but, oh, that doesn't exist. That can't exist. Of course, they can never prove to me why it can't exist. I can back them into a corner like, like Rocky Marciano in a, in a boxing ring, believe me. <laughs> when they get in debates with me about those things, I'm just pounding away at them and they're in the corner falling through the ropes in the end because they say things like, oh, being able to tell the future, it's like, well, that's totally that nonsense. That's just an illusion. And I can give them cases and, and I, I just say to them, okay, prove to me that's an illusion. And of course they can't. <laughs> of course they can't. These arrogant fools. But of course they think that they're totally clear thinkers, which 
is evidence that they're fools because nobody is a totally clear thinker. One thing I haven't even, or I have just barely touched on here, I'll say, because I've been comparing the Sherlock Holmes with the Edgar Cayce, is just everyday simple emotions. Uh, you have a bad day, maybe you're analyzing something, the world situation or, or whatever, or you're playing a chess game and you have to analyze the different moves, playing a chess game, one of those things where every day you make a move and then your friend makes a move, you know, by email, you're saying people do stuff like that. I wouldn't have the patience for it. I haven't played chess in so many years, I gave it up, but when I did play, I want to get the game started and finished in one setting, I don't want to stretch it out over months, <laughs> as some people do. But to each his own. In any case, there's some people that uh, do think quite largely about things. But imagine now you have to make a chess move and you just have a, a, a rotten day in general. Will you be able to think as clearly? Maybe you have something weighing upon your mind. Oh, I gotta do those tax returns, I gotta tax returns. Well, then you're not concentrating 100% on chess, or right? your mind isn't totally clear for what you're doing. Because that's another aspect of this whole subject. Having a clear mind for what you're doing at the moment. Wow, that's hard to achieve, isn't it? At least for me. My wife could sing you a song about that. She'll say, I don't know, why did you put that empty cup in the refrigerator? She said, you washed it, but you put it, why'd you? I'll say, huh? And sure enough, I, I, I just made up that example. But other things just as bad. Why? Well, because I maybe have to put dishes away and I pick up a cup but I start walking around because I'm thinking of something like in the world situation and I'm walking around thinking I'm not even remembering what's in my hand but I think oh I have to put something away oh yeah here's a refrigerator put the cup in the refrigerator something like things like that has happened to me no I don't have Alzheimer's I did things like that when I was 20 years old why because I'm always thinking of something else if I'm doing something that I find boring like washing dishes putting stuff away is for me so boring that whenever I do it I'm thinking of other things and so I, I just do dumb things uh I don't know. I put the cookies, I think I did that. I put the cookies in the cup and put them in the refrigerator <laughs> because I just was thinking of something totally different. I can be comforted by the fact that Einstein did the same sort of thing. There's a famous photo of him. He went to some uh, physics lecture. He was sitting in the front row listening. And you can see him there. One of his socks was one color. The other was another color. In other words, he was putting on his socks. But an Einstein doesn't concentrate on things like that. No, I'm not an Einstein. <laughs> Certainly not. But I am a thinker, and if you tend to think about these abstract things and world problems, then anything mundane like putting your socks on and putting cookies away is so boring that you try to do it automatically, but you get distracted by your thoughts. That's what's happening there. But in that sense, then obviously I don't have a totally clear mind, at least not for putting stuff away in the house. My mind's totally nebulous in that sense. And as I said, maybe you're just feeling bad in a certain day. And so even though you want to concentrate on something, say you do carpentry and normally you do it very well, but some other day, you know, something's bugging you and, and your mind just isn't totally focused on it. And that might be when you hit your thumb with a hammer because you're not totally focused on what you're doing. So having a totally clear mind is, uh, I don't know about you, but I see it as a thing of impossibility. If I try to remember, when did I have in my life a totally clear mind? Usually, I, I could uh, maybe I can think of a few things, but they're usually the things I can think of now at least are moments of great danger. And there's a reason for that. That's because it's a defense mechanism to maybe save your life. 
situations where I was all, almost attacked by people, so I had to react very quickly and very correctly. And then all of a sudden you concentrate totally on the situation, that, on those four guys in front of you that are thinking of attacking you, you concentrate totally on that. Because if you don't, you're in really big trouble. There you must have a totally clear mind. Or have you ever experienced it? You fall. And the typical thing, everything seems to go in slow motion. You've had experience. You fall off your bike. Well, I don't have a bike, but anyway. <laughs> uh, you fall. I remember one time a bike hit me. I was running. I came around a corner and some bike riding down fast on a sidewalk ran right into me. It was back 10 years ago, whenever. And I remember falling, but it seemed like in slow motion. And when I was, my hip was, wasn't broken, but I hurt my hip and upper leg. And I thought, well, why would that hurt? Because I was falling so slowly. But then I realized, oh, no, I, obviously I wasn't falling slowly. You know, you're running, a bike hits you and you fall down. You don't fall slowly. <laughs> but I remember it as being very slow, the slow motion effect, right? I remember <laughs> going around the corner. A bike hits me. I think, oh, a bike hit me. And then I'm going down slowly. Oh, I'm passing the wheel. I'm going, oh, I'm hitting the ground. <laughs> it seems so slow. Well, what that really is, I feel it's the following. It's your mind totally focusing on what you're, what's happening at that moment. In other words, at that moment, I wasn't thinking about the world situation. I wasn't thinking about politics. I wasn't thinking about philosophy. I was thinking, oh, I'm falling. The bike just hit me. Now I'm passing the handlebars. Now I'm passing its wheel. Now I'm hitting the ground. Why does that happen in slow motion? Of course, you're not really going slow motion. I'm sure other people saw me falling rather quickly to the ground, and that's why I hurt my hip. But what's happening is your mind is really racing. So the actions that are happening seem slow. You know what I mean? If we consider the opposite, suppose your mind is going really slowly. Everything around you seems fast. For example, if you're from the country, you're a country bumpkin. I don't want to insult people from the country. They're great people. But you're used to a quiet, routine, slow life. And then you go to a big city, New York, think, oh my God, everything's so fast. All these cars, everything seems fast. Because you're used to thinking more slowly, taking your time. Well, the opposite's the case too. If your mind is racing, everything that happens seems slow. You can be in the middle of New York City with a lot going on, but if your mind is really racing, it seems so slow. And when you're in danger, when you've just been hit by a bicycle, you're falling, you're in danger. If you hit your head, you might even kill yourself. So your mind starts racing and it's concentrating totally on what you're experiencing. In that sense, at that moment, it's a totally clear mind. You're totally focused on what's happening. Oh, a bike hit me. I'm now falling. What's the purpose of that? The purpose is that you're so focused on it that hopefully you will then make the right moves. I'm going to put my hand in this position. I'm going to put my arm here so that the, the brunt of your fall is minimized and you're not hurt as much as you would otherwise be. You see the reason for that. If you fell in your mind, it's all very quick. You don't have the time to respond. But if your mind is racing so fast that you perceive, oh, I'm falling, my arms are stretching out, then you can put your arms in a better position to protect your head, for example. So there's a, a survival reason for this happening. But that's an example of what I remember when my mind was totally clear. It was totally focused on that fall. And it was so clear, I remember it very closely. Another example, the big earthquake in, in Japan in March of 2011 sitting here at my computer and suddenly things start to shake and we've, we've had 
many earthquakes here. But then it started shaking more and more. And I'm thinking, oh, I hope it doesn't get stronger. It got stronger and stronger. Soon, everything was shaking so much. If I'd gotten up out of this chair, I would have fallen over. I could just grip onto the arms and think, uh-oh, well, now I guess the house is going to collapse. I'm going to die. Fortunately, a Japanese constructs so well <laughs> that, that hardly any houses collapse where I, where I am. Of course, uh, where I am near Tokyo, the strength of the earthquake was 6.4. And that's really strong. But up at its epicenter, it was 9. Wow, that's a lot stronger. I think each one is, what, a 10 times stronger. So it's like a 1,000 times stronger than here. I can't even imagine that because here it was terrifying for everybody around Tokyo. Everybody thought we're going to die now. But they construct so well that, I don't know, maybe some old person fell and hit their head and died. I don't know. Around Tokyo, there probably were a few deaths and some injuries, but really not that much to speak of considering the strength of the earthquake. But I still remember that moment because my mind was totally clear. It's danger, danger, Will Robinson. Remember Lost in Space from the 60s? You probably don't. Look it up. Funny TV show, but mostly for kids. The robot would say that. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Will Robinson was, his, was some kid there, whatever. <laughs> and I was thinking, not only danger, I was thinking, I'm going to die now. I was, you know, I'm going to think, oh, my God. What didn't I do in my life? I, I didn't have the tunnel vision where you see the whole life passing before you because I wasn't injured at that moment, but I thought it's going to happen. Well, it didn't happen, fortunately, but I still remember that moment. And that was a moment of totally clear mind. What should I do to not fall over, to protect myself? But normally we don't have that experience. Normally our minds are not totally clear. And in part, it's because we don't focus 100% on what we do. And even if we do, we might focus 100% in the Sherlock Holmes sense, logical reasoning, or maybe in the psychic sense, put ourselves in a trance like Edgar Cayce. <laughs> and so we're totally focused there. But to have a totally clear mind in every sense, I can only remember in moments of great danger. Perhaps there's some positive moments too, yeah, okay, I won't go into that. But yeah, it could be some really, really positive moments that you're just totally ecstatically happy. And then your mind is also totally clear. That's interesting, though, isn't it? That your mind gets totally clear in, in moments of real extremes. But then it's totally clear as to what is going on now. But not maybe other connections to those things. So in that sense, it's not totally clear. Right? In that sense, okay, the bike hit me, for example. I'm falling. My mind is totally clear. The bike just hit me. I'm now falling past handlebars. But at the same time, let's imagine that uh, from the building next to me, a brick was falling. Well, I wasn't aware of that. If the bike hadn't hit me, maybe I'd be looking around, look, at, oh, a brick's falling. Better get out of the way. But I, I, I wouldn't even have noticed that. So in other words, my mind wasn't totally clear for what was going on. Or maybe at the same time, another bike was coming from another direction was going to hit me, but I didn't notice that. I was just focused on this one bike, on this one little mini constellation of events. I'm running, the bike going pretty fast hits me, and I'm falling in slow motion. But other things were going around. Maybe somebody else looking was just totally shocked. Oh my God, he's going to be hurt. I didn't even pick that up. So my mind really wasn't totally clear. I wasn't perceiving everything around me, just in my immediate uh, neighborhood, in this case being maybe two or three square yards, <laughs> where I was falling after being hit by the bike. So even there, even though your mind can be totally clear in, in one sense for exactly what's happening at that moment in that small space, 
it's not clear for everything around you. So I hope this has convinced you to have a totally clear mind is practically a thing of impossibility. And this should make you feel more humble. It sort of makes me feel humble. Knowing that no matter how hard you try, your mind's never going to be totally clear. And to have a clear mind is very important. It's something desirable. So what can we do? Well, we should remain humble and think, well, we'll never have a totally clear mind, but we can work towards it and make our minds clearer than they were before. Do you know what I mean? It's like if you want to take up running, and you want to be pretty fast at running. Well, if you compare yourself to the best runners in the world, you're always going to be frustrated because you're not going to be one of the best runners in the world, almost certainly, <laughs> right? But if you compare yourself to yourself, how fast did you run last week and how fast this week, then you can be satisfied. And it's the same thing with having a clear mind. Having a clear mind, thinking clearly, is a desirable quality. And we have to be humble in the sense we know we can't have a totally clear mind. But we can try to make our minds clearer because it's a, it's a worthy goal to have. And so we should be aware of how to go about this. In the future, I'm going to talk about this. I'm thinking of writing a book on this subject, combining all the techniques that I use that really do help so much. I do those techniques instinctively. But as I said recently, I wrote them down. I thought, wow, this is a really powerful combination. So maybe I'll write a book about that to help people think more clearly. But no matter how good you are at clear thinking already, let's be humble. Our thinking could always be clearer. And it's probably a thing of impossibility to have a totally clear mind. But it's something we have to live with. What can you do? And you know that too. Simply thinking, well, what can we do? We can only try our very best and, and keep on living, right? We can't expect perfection. And that recognition is also something I'm sure Socrates would have agreed with. So thank you for following me in this episode. On this, The Path of Socrates, I wish you a fine day or night wherever you are. And until the next time, bye now.